Hey, welcome back to the Noggin Notes podcast. I'm Jake Wiskirchen, as always, your host, and I'm introducing you to this week's podcast, which is on why people need each other. You can probably tell that by the title. Essentially, it's about attachment theory, and in this podcast, as well as the upcoming one next week, I interview one of my employees, Dave Reed, who specializes in attachment theory, and I think you're going to find it fascinating. As it turns out, people do need each other, and sometimes we wonder why that is. Well, Dave explains it. As always, the podcast is sponsored by Zephyr Wellness. Check out zephyrwellness.org. We're going to be launching a new website here shortly, in addition to the newest location. It'll be located in Sparks, Nevada. We are uh, formerly housed in Reno, Nevada, and we're growing, and it's very, very cool, and we're all very excited. If you don't know, Reno and Sparks are sister communities, one to the next, and we're nestled at the base of the Sierra Nevada Mountains in northern Nevada. It's beautiful up here. It's thunderstorming today, and uh, I'm looking out the window of my recording studio at the church, and I see snow-covered mountains with rain falling and partial sunlight dancing across the valley, which is, I mean, it's just spectacular. So if you're not from here and you don't know what I'm talking about, you should definitely try to vacation here and uh, check out Lake Tahoe while you're at it. So that's enough of the tourism plug for Reno and Sparks and Lake Tahoe. We'll get into the podcast. This is all about attachment theory. It's part one of a two-part series on why people need each other. My guest is Dave Reed. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist intern in Nevada, and he works for me at Zephyr Wellness. We hope you enjoy it, and definitely subscribe to us either through Podbean or iTunes. Write us a rating and a review. It helps drive listenership so that more people get more help. And uh, give us a thumbs up on Facebook, too. This is part one of Why People Need Each Other, episode number 44 of the Noggin Notes podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back, listening audience. You're tuned into the Noggin Notes podcast. Well, I don't know. Do, do pe- people don't tune into podcasts. There's no tuning. Well, they will today. They w- <laughs> what frequency to which they would tune? To, to what would they tune? Jake 101. Jake 101. <laughs> Noggin Notes 101. And uh, it's... Uh, traffic and weather together after the <laughs> after the hour we're being silly but we welcome you in and uh and as always my name is jake wiskirchen and uh today i'm talking to dave reed that's uh r-e-i-d not uh r double e-d yeah. everybody else spells it wrong yeah that's right but uh what, what do you do why are why are you on this why did i ask you to, to be here well i'm a therapist here at zephyr wellness and uh my specialty or my my emphasis i guess is attachment theory and um, you wanted to do a, an episode on why people need people. Yes, that is true. And uh, we are going to get into that. What is attachment theory? Attachment theory is an approach to how people function. It's, it's more of a personality theory than a therapy per se, although it's been adapted by emotionally focused therapy into a therapy system. What, let's, let's pause but, for a second because we, when we throw lingo out to the listening audience, we want to define it. What is emotionally focused therapy? I know that this podcast has delved into emotional functioning. Mm-hmm. What's emotionally focused therapy? Emotionally focused therapy is basically a couple's emphasis therapy, although it applies to individuals and family systems also. But it's, the assumption is, and I think it's credible, is that... If you follow people's emotional um, hang-ups or where they're struggling with, with their emotions, where their emotional function is taking place, healthy or unhealthy, then you find out where their wounds are. You find out where their struggles are. So you follow the emotions like a trail 
and it leads you back to where they're hurt. I think that's really reasonable. I think that is poignant, meaning uh, it's it's informative such that we, if, we, if you take the, the, the 10 core emotions that I teach from Carol Izzard yes. and you apply that and you say somebody's struggling with an anger problem or somebody's struggling with an anxiety problem, which is chiefly rooted in fear, that would be where their hang up is. Yes. Because they can't, they can't process whatever that is. And so they're getting stuck in that pattern of whatever that emotion is. Yep. And, okay. and they will be able to tell you the stories of why they feel that way. And that helps you understand where they're coming from. Uh, sometimes you can get into the early family stuff. Sometimes you don't need to. It's, it's a trauma. A lot of it's trauma-based, uh, trauma-driven. So the, the emotions tell you where the, where the hurt is, and you go there. What, is, what does that do then? How does that dovetail into attachment theory? Well, um, um, EFT, or Emotionally Focused Therapy, stands on attachment theory. And back in the 1930s and 40s, a guy named John Bowlby did a bunch of research with traumatized children. And he discovered that, lo and behold, people attach. Who knew? Yeah. And <laughs> they do t- they, they yeah. attach to each other. And when those when those attachments are are threatened or broken, they go into a panic, and uh, all kinds of of painful things begin to take place. So uh, attachment theory is a is a whole approach to looking at really what and I, I what how people function, and it gives me a lens to see what's going on with my clients and really help them uh, recover pretty effectively. I think. Um, one of the there's there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's a lot of research and huge books and and lots and lots of articles and research done on this thing. But um, the, to my best of my ability, I've really boiled it down to a simple axiom. And I tell my clients this: that the basic human drive is to be attached in an emotionally safe relationship. Any any emotionally safe relationship or a specific one? Are we talking mother mother child or? Well, that's where of course where it's going to start. Okay, with mother child, but it needs to be with lots of other people too. But usually, there's going to be one or two what we would call a safe base kind of relationship. The that person that you're so close to, that you're safest with, and you kind of just touch base with them. You tag up with them when things happen, good or bad. They're the one you run to. They're the one you you check on check with and life seems to be okay then and you move on and you can go back to exploring your life and, and moving on with what your agenda is this is bringing up a lot for me uh, in terms of clients and family and friends and so forth and and the way that people function now if we if the assumption is that nobody ever had an, a safe attachment you would you would find all sorts of different um psychological distress yes but, uh, amazing and and developmental problems as well if they had never oh, yeah. ever had that that's true yeah because you're just too busy uh, surviving or protecting yourself to yes. worry about who is safe or, or attaching or not surviving. That's true yeah, too. Just falling yeah. apart. So, but, but I'm thinking the other side of this where I've known people who run right into relationships way too deep, way too early thinking that they're safe with this person, disclosing all this personal information. Uh-huh. And, um, and that, that seems, I mean, on the surface, it's like, well, you, you jumped in really quickly and we, we probably could take some guesses that you're trying to fill a void of some sort. Right. But how does attachment theory speak to that? Uh, attachment looks at, uh, let me back up a little bit to give some, some background there. Basically, um, four kinds of, of, four kinds of attachments, and there's two divisions. There's a secure attachment, which is a, a basic attachment on its own. And people are able to, to trust. They're able to see, um, detect when people are not safe. There's a lot of insight for someone who's securely attached. Usually that comes because they had a pretty good childhood and they were raised well with, 
with parents that attached well and loved them and nurtured them in, in really healthy, safe, safe emotional ways. So you've got uh, secure attachments on one side. But insecure attachments divide up basically into three categories. There's some different schools of thought on that and some debate over it, but I don't think it's significant. Anyway, there's, there's anxious attachment, which is somebody that's always checking, you know, are we okay? Are we okay? Did I say something wrong? Um, um, are, we, are we safe? Uh, did, I, did, did I make a mistake? Are, are you okay? Or, they're always checking on it. They're mm-hmm. constantly anxious, and they're never secure in it. And even if someone is securely attached to them, and they are safe in that relationship, because of their wounds, because of their inability to, to believe it, they're never going to be able to just relax and lean into the attachment and get well. And, and I would call that a letting go or a, a, there will an, be an ability yeah. to step into intimacy. Yes. Does that sound yes, right? Yes, because, okay. because that fear, because of their hurts, and this is legitimate. People, people take, choose that strategy um, because, because it, it's what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's good reasons. And so I don't mean this in a, in a critical way. This is just how people end up, but it sure screws up their relationships. That's a technical right. term we learned. Counseling Screw school. up. Yes. yes, yeah. yes. It's diagnosable. I think there's a code. I, there must be. Yeah. It's, uh, a, it's an S code. No, hey, it's an hey F code. Dave, what yeah. Are you, yeah, it's an F anyway, code. What are you, you, you diagnosing me with? Uh, screwed up. Yeah. Not, not otherwise specified. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> screwed up severe. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, so there's, there's anxious um, attachment, an, an avoidant attachment, which is this is the kind of person they're not trusting either. And they're not able to lean into the intimacy and really connect. And so they're going to keep somebody at arm's length. They're going to push them back. And they're, they're kind of cynical. They're looking at, you know, I know you're going to let me down. You're always going to let me down. And so they're watching. And often enough, they'll have some kind of escape hatch that uh, they can leap into another relationship. So this is how it would apply in, in uh, romantic kinds of relationships. They may be uh, committed sort of on, on one relationship with one person, but then they're just kind of got somebody else they might be sort of flirting with on the edges. But mm-hmm. as soon as you let them down, they go, aha, there it is. See, I knew you, I knew, I knew you had feet of clay. I knew, I knew you were no good and you, I can't trust you. And they can just dump you. So we would, we would call that confirmation bias when you're looking yes. to find what you, what you need to see. Yep. I knew it was there and there it is. Yeah. And then, and then I could see that not just person to person, but occupationally I've known people who, you know, say that they're committed to a job, you know, state all the, the good reasons and, you know, make the outward public appearance. But then at the first whiff of, turbulence they they bail they quit they yes. concoct a reason to uh, jump ship uh, move on. Al- or alter their career direction altogether or re-enroll in school yep. and it's like i thought you were going to be a nurse now you're going to be an engineer you know it's mm-hmm. and these are people that we would typically hear criticize as they have commitment issues ah okay it's that okay. kind of thing and and they're going to bail and mm-hmm. um, the funny thing is once they bail then they start looking over their shoulder and going or somebody bails on them they go, well, you know, I really did need that relationship. And they realize then how attached that they were. And now they start to grieve and they miss it. So they have this kind of yo-yo effect mm. that they'll, they'll step back and step back and step back. But then they're lonely. It's cold out there because the basic human drive is to attach an emotionally safe relationship. And then they move in again. But then they can't. It's like it's too hot in the kitchen. Sure. So they move back out. And so they, they oscillate back and forth. Do you see a lot of... Uh people in that particular uh, designation struggling with personality disorders? Um, yes, I do. Um, but um, I also see more addictions. Oh, uh, yeah. Because okay. they aren't able to have that, that emotional closeness. There's got to be a buffer, and the, and the right. buffer could be chemical or it could be whatever. There's something to process emotions. Mm-hmm. And what, what a lot of people don't realize is, and this is part of, part of attachment series strength, or theories uh, really strength, is that we are unable to, to regulate our emotions as individuals. 
we must have other people to help us process our emotions. Other people that we're safe with, that we can show them our life, show them who we are, warts and all, quirks and all, and be welcome and accepted. And we bring our life into that conversation, tell them what's going on. And every conversation, even how, how a pedestrian or mundane it may be, is going to be just loaded with emotion. And we process that, with, process that with somebody else. Right. Simply the topics themselves, whether it be uh, the Giants losing yesterday or the Giants winning today, uh, is going to yeah. trigger something in me. And if I don't have a safe space with, in which to process that emotion, it could yep. uh, go in a variety of different ways. Blaming the manager or uh, you know, saying that there's East Coast bias because my team didn't make the playoffs or whatever it is. Uh, whatever. To, to avoid me simply sitting in that emotion and tolerating it and sharing it among other people. Yes, and being validated by that other person because that's the fundamental human need. Right. And without that in a safe emotional setting, um, we begin to unravel. Did you say there was a third one? There is. Okay. They call it disorganized, and that was really hard to describe, but take the anxious and avoidant and mash them together. Mm. And so they don't know what they want. They're, they're, they're very... Uh, this is where the personality of disorders would really show up, okay. borderline narcissistic, because they just can't tell, do, do I like you now? Do I want you now? Do I need you? Can I trust you? Um, and they're just all over the map. And the research, especially with small children, is that uh, they'd have the mother come out of the room for like three minutes and then come back in, and the child couldn't make up their mind if they were glad to see her, or they would, they would be angry, or they'd pout, or they'd try to punish her. Um, just, just all over the map, and so it was. It was called disorganized, and that's where, a really good way to put it. And so, whereas a healthy child would notice mom left, notice mom comes back in, say something like "Where'd you go?" or "Nice to see you," the right. but the the disorganized child would uh, freak out for just, which yeah. is another clinical term. And, right? be, and yes, yeah. exactly. Yes, that has an F code too. Freak, freak out, screw up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a poor that's a poor soul there. But we would call it, we would really talk about um, not so much a healthy child, although that would be the case, but I would really call that a securely attached child. Right, and healthy is a little judgmental, yeah. Well, it's, it's also, you know, it's, are we talking about physical health? Are we talking about what? But, it's nebulous, yes. Yeah, but when we're talking about a securely attached child, you've got somebody there who knows that they're loved and they know that they're safe, the relationship is stable, and they can use that, that relationship. They're dependent on that relationship in a healthy way, and now they can... They can meter the rest of their life, regulate their emotions, and that gives them the ability to go out and explore life, to grow, to try new things, to expand. So actually, in that healthy attachment dependency, they're actually more able to uh, be independent and self-sufficient. Which seems paradoxical, especially yes. to parents. I mean, you and I are both parents, and uh, you're now a grandparent. Congratulations. Thank you. And so to, to parents, the, I, I often say that one of the damnable miseries of parenting is that you spend many, many years teaching our children to leave. And if done well, they can do that on their own. It's sometimes heartbreaking because we've grown attached to them and we don't, sometimes we're insecure and we don't know that we've yes. done a good enough job, but we're teaching them to, that it's okay to go be on their own because then they can formulate other relationships that are secure attachments in their own lives and they don't have to rely upon us. Uh, we don't create a dependency as parents because we've taught them that it's, it's okay to be safe in a relationship if they're securely mm -hmm. attached, and then they can go create other secure attachments and be okay also. Let me let me tune that just a little bit. Please I, do. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I would be careful not to put it in such all-or-nothing terms because that adult child, if they have a secure attachment with their parents, is going to have a healthy dependency with their parents and always will. 
as they should. But that becomes a resource then for them to to use those parents as as a safe base. I see. To check okay. with them. And yeah. so so I think what we've done in our culture is is we have swung way too far to being uh, very binary in in dependency or yeah. being independent. And we've overemphasized in, independence to the point where everybody's supposed to be so self-sufficient that we don't need anybody. And now we become an island to ourselves. At that point now, we don't have healthy attachments. We start to unravel, look at our families, look at our addiction levels, look at the crime that we have. And I think a lot of that needs to be laid at the, at the feet of we don't have healthy, secure attachments and people are unraveling emotionally. That's a really fascinating point. I think we could probably do an entire episode on just that, uh, the, the, the binary nature of independence. And yes. I think when we say a word like independence, and I, I honestly, I just misused it a minute or two ago when I said dependent, I think it is very loaded. I think these days where it's, and it's negatively judged as if you're dependent upon somebody, then it's a bad thing. Exactly. And I think that's what culture exactly. has been pushing. Exactly. Well, I mean, we need to shift that. Sure. And I mean, you think about the, the names of products that have come out in the last 10 to 15 years, you got iPhone and YouTube and Facebook and, and MySpace and it's all about me and centered on me and um, and, and I don't need anybody else and ironically those media are all designed to connect you with other people and the one we won't talk about is depends <laughs> but we need those too hey you're you're, you're the senior <laughs> don't in the start room. it don't, don't start it I know where you live yeah it's true you do <laughs> well um. To summarize, uh, before we wrap up, uh, I think this is clearly going to be a two-part uh, series. Uh, I don't know. Can a series be two parts? I guess it can. Sure. sure. Part one and part two. Um, the, the the opening of this was to explain what attachment theory is and, and break it out into its pieces. There's, there's two basic uh, categories. One is secure attachments. What is insecure attachments? But I want to hear those three insecure styles rattled off again. It'd be um, anxious and avoidant. And un, and disorganized, anxious, avoidant, disorganized. And who, yeah. if if people wanted to to look this up in between this episode and next episode, where might they go to to dive further into this so that they can send us comments and questions and reflections at info at nagadotes.com or info at zephyrwellness.org? There's an excellent uh, overview on Wikipedia, believe it or not, just a couple of pages. But if you want to read a book, any of Sue Johnson's stuff is is excellent. She does a, a really good introduction in Love Sense, uh, also in Hold Me Tight. Love, Great. Sense, and Hold Me Tight being the titles. Yes, yes. Sue Johnson being the author. Uh-huh. And if you want to get into the deep end of the pool, um, John Bowlby has written some amazing books, but they're big, fat things. And uh, But they're they're the authoritative uh, books on that. And just anything, just look up John Bowlby, anything he's written. B-O-W-B-L-Y. B-O-W-B-L-Y. Yeah, that's right. L-B-Y. L-B-Y. Bowlby, yeah. B-O-W-L-B-Y. The, the listening right. audience doesn't know this, but it's early in the morning and uh, we're doing this before clients come in. So our the cobwebs in our brain are still not, hanging around. Not warmed up yet. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. And um, Thank you. thanks to the listening audience. Again, if you guys have questions or comments, please, please do write us. We like uh, seeing that stuff. And um, I've mentioned this before. I'm going to start doing the listener mail a little bit more regularly. So info at nogginnotes.com, info at zephyrwellness.org. And on behalf of both uh, families of Naga Notes and Zephyr, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thanks, Dave. And we'll see you again next week with part two of Why People Need Each Other. I'm Jake Wiskirchen. Bye. Bye.